0: Good morning. This is Moss Whelan, and story in mind. So, uh, frosty morning. And, uh, the the lawn is, uh, glittering, I guess? and I've been planning the topic uh, for a couple of days and forgetting forgetting the topic and then remembering it and writing down some notes Uh topic for this episode is science fiction which is broad and I suspect that it's it has to do with uh, morality and ethics in science fiction and hopefully there's some I'm sure there's some gems here and there. Uh, One of the things I've done is listen to some uh, lectures uh, about literature that are are out there on the web, and one of them uh, had to do with War of the Worlds. And H. G. Wells's use of science fiction. Another one was uh, the, the the time machine, and uh, you know traveling to. I think yeah, it was the future, and then there were the. The Morlocks, who were living down below, and then there were the uh, these sort of passive people living up top, who were basically basically food <coughs> and. H.G. Wells' stories get reused, recycled Um, there are adaptations but I, I think the process I don't know about you but part of my process is this kind of collage so I'll be inspired by, say, uh, a bit of H.G. Wells. You know, oh, I'll put some, you know, more locks underground, and then maybe have uh, an alien invasion, much like War of the Worlds. Uh, my starting point, though, is Frankenstein, and. I was finding myself thinking of Mary Shelley as this kind of uh, mother of science fiction. And that she's, at first I was thinking, well, isn't the only thing that sci-fi, isn't the only thing that, you know, the creation of the monster, you know, that, that that's it. And there's no other science fiction. But it's... It's in the... Character of the monster. Which is this... Middle story. You know, with this... Narrative frames. These two... (laughs) Two or three narrative frames. That surround it. And... Yeah, it's, it's this, the exploration of what it means to play God, right, or to become, there's, there's a very, there's a very simple analogy, which is parenthood, right, becoming um, a parent in Having, having these responsibilities for this life, you know, that you've created. And so, uh, here we have uh, a life that has gone, you know, horribly wrong. And there's, there's... Um, contemporary examples one that comes to mind I just saw a documentary about twins I believe it was was twins triplets specifically it was a group of triplets I think it was in New York, the area of New York where there was this psychological study where these twins were uh, separated, and that they were um, sent to different families, and then studied afterwards to see uh, what the the effect was. There were also baselines, which were children that weren't twins, or triplets, that were in the same families. And uh, one way of looking at it is going, oh, you know, these children were adopted, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's it's the, the, the fact that there's this study going on, and that it's not merely a case of adoption right that this is this is about a controlled environment and uh, and not entirely but it's 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 a bit ugly and uh lacking lacking compassion it's weird because there's this there is an element of compassion which is These wonderful families who are taking in the kids, you know, and raising them, and but then there's this nefarious study that's going on, and these psychologists show up uh, every year or so and to test the children, right, and to uh... and apparently these uh, studies that were done are totally locked up, and you know. We can't see what actually you know to to what level and why you know why are they doing these tests that that was around the fifties I wanna say fifties sixties uh and these these tests for science crop up occasionally and they'll have elements of eugenics say Uh, one of them in Canada was it it was happening within this uh, within the 20th century so somewhere in the 1900s and it was, it was happening in Canada, and it had, had to do with First Nations or Native American uh, kids. And it was giving, you know, seeing uh, what, what was the bare necessity, like say, um, was it possible to just give these kids vitamins, right? And so there was this study going on and uh, and again on one level you're sort of or not you but i am sort of going kind of trying to argue the point like you know it's like oh you know best interest and everything like that health cuz it's vitamins and then on the other side the the more compassionate ethical side of myself i'm going you know that's outrageous that's disgusting you know you're you know these are human beings not lab rats and you know, people require food, not supplements. Uh, uh, the 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 science fiction part of myself, I have kind of stepped into the future and imagined a world without uh, without food. You know, whoosh. You know, imagine. You know, imagine if all the bees are gone, and then you have, uh, that wipes out a huge amount of food, uh, that, you know, is pollinated, and then, uh, let's say we're wiping out grain, uh, you know, so you got no bread, you're wiping out, uh, animals, right, how are you going to feed the animals? And so on and so forth and, and then say you end up with no food, uh, possibly say that you could manufacture food that uh, that it would it would be possible to create something like the the matrix food, uh, which is you know amino acids, sort of sort of a soup kind of thing. And uh, another angle to that is that you could uh, mine, you could get uh, minerals, uh, you know, build the basic, you know, uh, give people vitamins. But that that's an imagined extreme environment that doesn't exist right now, and uh, the terrible rationale for uh that study done in Canada was it, you know it was about being cost effective and you know to me that's a i'm <laughs> it's just barbaric it's barbaric it's 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 uh bureaucratic and barbaric and You know that's not too long ago, and those are just two examples in the 1900s. And to say that it's it's not going to happen again, or even that it's not happening now, that studies are happening uh, in in the hopes of sort of being cost effective, like we're going to take this group of. Uh, probably marginalized people and, you know, we're going to uh, do a do a study another book that, uh, that I actually I did read when I was a, a teen was Brave New World by Aldous Huxley and That one had, it felt like a very, uh, it it felt like it was predicting, like it was a future that was imaginable, and the future was less technological and more social. And so I want to say that rather than a hard science fiction, which is hard sciences, that this was soft science fiction, which is, say, um, you know, anthropology and the humanities. And, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if humanities, anyways, soft sciences. Does linguistics fall under soft sciences? So, in anyways, in Brave New way, uh, Brave New World, that a representative from outside the city, you know, somebody who's in a way who's living in the past or living in a more primitive, you know, in comp- in comparison to the advanced uh, civilization of this city. And this person is brought into this uh, to to, the, to them to the main character. It's bizarre. Uh, I, th- I think it's a, a good choice because the main character is our window into the world we get to experience with them. So in a way, it's like you know somebody from this time or Aldous Huxley's time, which is you know some. Uh, 50, 50 years, 60 years, maybe more, since it was published. But even now, you know, some 60 years later, uh, it still rings true. And a couple of the things happening in the city are that uh, there's this great description of... uh, children being born in these artificial wombs, and it's described as that there's a, a ruby-colored light in the room. It's almost like when you're developing film that there's a red light in the uh, you know, the room where you're, you're developing uh, film. So uh, we go on, we learn about these Quite, quite big differences between uh, the main character and then these, you know, these people who exist in the in the city. There's cloning. There's alternative lifestyles. Um, people are uh, people use this a drug called Soma. And it, like I, I can see it um, happening. Like even when I was a teen, I was, I was just like, oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah. With the you know with the right amount of science, uh, it it would be possible. And two, it is possible, right? Say now we can do cloning. We agree it's a it's a bad idea but it is happening, it has happened we have Dolly, uh, the sheep who was cloned and and uh, I I remember something about that twinning is, is possible very, very easy very possible, and say that you would take this Uh, fertilized egg and then you would I think it's they rub it with a glass um, rod and then the the egg will divide into two so it's a very you know it's it's less cloning uh, but in a way it is cloning right you know you're creating two rather than one And there wouldn't be this confusion of... Like, with the clone, the classic... It's a, it's the trope, is that... Uh, there's this... I want to say existential crisis, but there's this crisis of... Who is the original? Right? That the... In cloning stories, it's... You know, the clone is evil, right? Because it wants to take over. And it... Uh, It, it, you know, why? Uh, Because it doesn't see itself as a clone. It's, it's, uh, it's not good to be a copy. Its own existence is valid and true. And so, you know, in those stories it will go and uh, upset, you know, the table. It will uh, wreak havoc. There's a, there's a horror element to it. It's not... It's actually not... A... Um, current. There's a... Tradition of it. One is called... A a double. Or a doppelganger. So there's this... There's a bit of tradition there of... That... Somebody who looks like somebody else... Uh, I can remember being... At some kind of um, some kind of exposition, some kind of business thing. When I had a small small business, so we had a table set up. And then all of a sudden, my my business partner runs up and says, "Moss, Moss, you got to see this guy. He looks exactly like you." And uh, I'd heard about this, but I'd never seen it. I knew a couple twins and uh, friends and uh, but not identical twins it's like uh, what is it is it fraternal twins but anyways I so I go I was like oh okay where is it and then I head over to this other table and it was creepy. It was like looking into this other mirror. Or, you know, looking into a mirror. And and there is somebody who's... Uh, it was paintings. You know, that, that was the the business that uh, he was doing. And I didn't feel motivated to go over and say hello. It wasn't a wasn't a pleasant experience and so I understood those old stories of the doppelganger and two what what do you do uh, but yeah I, I wasn't I wasn't fascinated which is one thing that happens in the stories or the uh, the movies that Most, I just most recently I saw a movie involving spiders, or more it was the the symbolism of of spiders, and I uh, I'm trying to remember Jake Gyllenhaal, I think. But in in that movie, there's this urge to to know this. Other character, and there's a lot of variations uh, upon the trope, uh, e- even just from the even just from the aspect of being replaced. That say, there's somebody better than the MC. And there's a threat to their status quo. You know, there's a an upset. It could be anything from a uh, a romantic sort of triangle. And I'm I'm just imagining, say, uh, you know, the the 2.5 family. Everything's going fine. And then all of a sudden, there's this contest, or there's this you know the the family is breaking apart because um, you know one person or more in the family is being challenged, and uh, that's so primitive as well. Like I, I'm going you know, but that's you know, it's it's such a it's such a basic thing but it's just so uh, base, it's animal it's I, I can just you know imagine monkeys, gorillas, animals doing this thing where uh, you know, there's this sort of alpha male thing going on of uh, challenge for supremacy you know, who's going to lead the pack and I've read and seen stories where both happens, that you have this challenge to authority. That say, you know, it could have, It could be a challenge to a male's authority or a, a female. Right? There's this female authority. So one thing that I walk away from science fiction is this sense of moral, of uh, using the genre to explore issues and make statements. Uh, jumping to hg well again the island of dr morio and this it's it's almost like dr jekyll and mr hyde which is you know it's a an, that's another exploration that involves science that you know can we control right the 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 initial quest is to control this side of ourselves at least to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and then in the island of Dr. Morio it gets quite close to Frankenstein is it possible to mutate animals to evolution is not the right word because you know that's adaptation, which takes generations, and it's it's all about natural selection. And my understanding is that that you know what Mario is doing, it's it's more about this mutation that you're you know, giving this uh, process. Jumping, sort of jumping forward slightly. The the debate right now about whether to stay or whether to go. Uh, you know, do we colonize space, or do we stay on on Earth? It's an interesting debate. You know, where where do we invest? Do we focus on what's happening here or do we go out outwards one way of looking uh, what's happening with the space race was that say we were we were in competition with Russia and and then say you know I'm aligning myself I'm saying we that Maybe not even say Russia, but it's us and them that there's this competition, and it it's it seems like, and this is I'm picking this up from Neil deGrasse Tyson that things like say we quote-unquote, we've been doing a lot. We have a space station, we have been sending out uh, satellites, we've been sending out expeditions, we've done the Hubble telescope. And uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's argument was that we haven't returned to the moon because the competition isn't there. And so, if if that's the case, then space colonization would would require competition. That there would have to be um, brands, as it were, who are invested in in that venture. The ba- the basic argument is, I'm sure you know, it's. But say for those who don't, the basic argument is that we are going to have some kind of natural disaster or uh, combination. So, say we do manage to survive the next hundred years. Uh... We're still looking at Yellowstone National Park, for example, which is a supervolcano, and, you know, that is, eventually, it's going to explode. And then, (laughs) uh, we have, you know, the possibility of getting uh, hit by a large meteor... And then you know, not oh, let's include pandemics uh no no zombies, <laughs> but there is there is that possibility, and so why not get out there and uh, increase? the chances of, of survival. And then the, the uh, opposing argument is that we ought to be taking that money uh, you know, that involved in that competition and investing it here, here and now. And I believe it, Neil deGrasse de Tyson's response was, let's do both. Why not do both? And we shall see. We shall see. I suspect that in the... In the act of colonization, a lot of new technology will develop, say, for uh, space travel and for... um, you know, the, the medical aspect, the survival aspect, that can be used back on Earth. We, we can, we can terraform Earth. We can sort of put Earth into a very, um, sort of, you know, set it up and take control but again, this is one of the the tropes in science fiction that say, you know start playing God that that it's not our that it's not our place uh, to do that and then there's the flip side that that uh, ah yes, but aren't we supposed to take care of what you know what we have if we can Kind of nail down our environment, uh, yeah. And to is it possible? Uh, to what to what degree can we uh, manage our our environment? And and we and we'll see. You know, we'll see how how much is possible. I think, I think, I I, I, I still want to be Star Trek about this, and uh, even in Star Trek, though there was this, there was a, there was a war, before we had Star Trek. There was a kind of World War Three, and there's there's a terrible realism in that. You know, that bef- before you could have this kind of utopia. Of the Federation. You know. And two, Even that. Was not perfect. But there was this leap forward. And. uh... But still. Yeah. That there was this. Struggle first. Uh, I grew up with Star Trek. We. Watched. I I think too. It was. I'm not sure if both of my parents. Watched the. Original series. But I. I grew up watching. That. And. Uh, they turned. Uh, they, they yeah. They made it accessible. And then from there. We went on and watched. Uh, the next generation. And. Less so. Uh, for the the deep space. And. And yet i just yeah, I found my you know every time Star Trek comes out, I just find it sort of part of almost like a tradition you know to be watching this new new version of the, you know sort of saying what is possible, and also telling us the dangers as well you know that going out there and colonizing that there are lots of dangers I always sort of um, i don't I don't think about the massive amounts of radiation in space I sort of bypass that and I bypass the you know what the lack of gravity does to your body you know and all of all of these difficulties I just sort of sweep these aside Um, and and part of that has to do with Star Trek and Star Wars and other shows that don't deal with that and there's a fantastical a fan, you know, yeah a a kind of untrue uh, perspective, oh we've overcome that obstacle and so it's 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 always nice to see uh hard science fiction that gets into that you know what <laughs> what if you get sucked into outer space you know that yes, it is possible you know to to survive briefly you know you're gonna get um, it's you know there's gonna be some bad stuff happening, but then too, you know what about the What about the radiation? And then my understanding too is that if there's, you know, if there's solar, if you're getting hit by the, uh, the sunlight, that it's a much different experience in space than it is down here. So we're past the halfway mark. Yesterday, I was remembering that there are examples in mythology of robots, there are uh, automatons, these machines that uh, have been built by the gods it's like the the smith god the blacksmith god Greek Roman and that so that history is you know that's going quite a a ways back there are devices machines mechanical devices that are they they're viewed as supernatural but say from our perspective looking back, you know, it, it almost seems like oh you know that could be a robot or that flying chariot uh, from India um, you know holy stories, myths, you know, oh, you know, kind of chariot of the gods. And that term and the, there was a book called Chariot of the Gods suggesting that uh, it was aliens uh, who are responsible for these early stories of, you know, astronaut-like beings. And maybe our our notion of religion is ultimately stemming from close encounters of the third kind. But say that we would be at a state where uh, those experiences would be beyond us, right? We we couldn't comprehend it in any other way than supernatural. And I was just thinking of, say, now, our ancestors would look at what's happening now. And especially going quite a ways back, that they, they would look at what's happening now as magic. right? That we were, you know, just even flying. You know, airplanes, uh, not even spacecraft, right? The, the fact that people can fly. And then perhaps you could sit them down and sort of take them through it. Uh, but it would be science fiction to them, this impossibility. I wish that I was more. Uh, appreciative of of it I, I i have the first world dilemma that i think most people do you know that i'm i'm not i'm not quite conscious and then you know here i am talking about it but It's become normal. It's become normal. It's become assumed. You know, I'm walking around with a supercomputer in my hand that is networked uh, via satellites that are spinning around up above me. And it it ought to be amazing. <laughs> it really ought to. You know, but even where even where I'm at, I'm I'm kind of jaded, and I'm uh, I'm waiting for the next big step. Uh, I'm I'm even writing about it, you know, imagining what the the next you know what's beyond uh, Homo sapien. You know what's the What's the next step? One of the... One of the machines... I, I remember seeing... There was this uh, device. I want to say it was brass, but it was... I think it was sort of Greek in origin and it was found in a shipwreck and then they cleaned it up and kind of uh, reconstruct it or what is it called when you um, figure out how something was built and it had a lot of gears and eventually they, they came up with I think they made a, they made a copy as well And it was a, a device for telling w- where the planets were at a at a particular time and in, in the year. And so, so and so, you know, instead of having things written down, there was this device, and that's marvelous and that that makes me wonder about if like say you know this person who had the device um, how many of these devices existed because really it was i think it's high tech um, for that for that time And, and probably was amazing say for people outside of this shared technology. You know how, how do you know these things? It's it's interesting to think that say you know the tech the technology oh the technology always existed and it's been it's sort of hidden and you're kind of allowed into this science fiction city like say if you exist outside of the city and then time kind of breaks down and then there's this city that you know where it's it's so high technology that it seems like magic <laughs> There's, there's a lot of problems with that, but good good fodder for a story, kind of along the lines of metaverse. That there's this. Uh, kind of a, a virtual reality. That uh, that exists. I've I've mentioned a number of times that, you know, my my perception is. Filtering and shaping what I see—that I have all these biases and uh, ways that say I've been shown how to see—and so, uh, in, in a sense, that's a virtual reality. You know, it's there's an argument there, but that I'm I'm perceiving uh, I'm perceiving reality. I'm shaping, I'm shaping the reality. And two, it's not so much that I, like I'm doing it, but it's a, a kind of primal, basic, um, a couple words for it, conditioning, conditioning programming. It's, it's it's on the level of mind control, and that but, you know. Uh, raising kids, you know, we do these we sort of continue these um, ways of seeing things and science fiction so I'm curious about where science fiction is headed. I'm working on my own science fiction uh, which is set in Vancouver and imagining a a new uh, a a new city, a city that can survive the next hundred years. uh, Or has. It has. And imagining the, the people that are there uh, how are they different from from now the the normality of it just say mirroring my own experience that I, I take all of this stuff for granted and so would they you know, that they would be they would be in the in the middle of a mass extinction event but it would be normal right it would be oh you know it's the same as yesterday and the day after a similar experience is we have a real estate bubble in Vancouver and it's it's been getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then finally we had a a decrease but uh, everything I I was doing a bit of research about it and everything kept going back to you don't know events are happening until you know until you're through it and then looking back you know or or people start you know going through crunching the numbers and, and uh (laughs) And <laughs> so I'm, I'm imagining um, part of the experience in the future. It does have an element of Star Trek, that there is a group of people that choose to live. In this warped and beautiful, different uh, way. And then there are people who have held on to the past. That, you know, in a way they don't want to lose themselves and their identity. And so, those people have, they're existing outside the city and then there are even farther away there are people who have slipped into a barbaric state and they they have completely rejected the whole uh, matter but still they are they are on the they're on the periphery that say uh, even, even they have this Relationship with with the city, you know, even though they're, you know, not wanting to be a part of it, they're still connected. I like too the the notion of a contrast, uh, a contrast of say all these three different sides that they all consider the the other two to be wrong. You know, the people who live in the center of the city, they look at the outside people and go, they're wrong, you know, they're, they're not going to survive, we're the wave of the future. My favorite new, new term, the growing edge, and uh, as this replacement for the bleeding edge which was a replacement for of The Cutting Edge. And, uh... I, I, I like... I like the progression that's going on there. You know, that there's this sharpness, but then it gets violent. Al- although you could say it's surgical, right? You know, that there's this wounding, but maybe the wounding is, is involved with healing. It's... It's all about perception, and then you could come back at me with, no moss, <laughs> war and violence. That's, it's not a good thing. Then I flip it around and come back with, it's like, yes, but what if you're trying to stop totalitarianism? You know that it, it has reached that point, and then you come back with, yes, moss, but what if you lose? And then I come back with, you know, (laughs) well, if you don't stand up against it, you know, stand up to it. It's good to argue with you (laughs) when you're not here. Um, But you are here, and I'm not here. So, jumping back again to... Frankenstein, and what came before, and what is after. There's there is a shift that happens with Frankenstein. It's a wonderful shift uh, through through this chemical bath, which smatters of alchemy, which is the origin of chemistry in and too I can't say in the west anymore every every day the, the line between east and west blurs and hopefully hopefully completely uh why would you say that, Moss? Because I I, I I see that as hope—that there's hope in working together to to get through. But with with this alchem- alchemical bath that uh, reanimates a, a life, a corpse re-energizes. There's is, there is a, there a terrible thing there. There's a beautiful thing there. Um, in my understanding, that's sublime. I, I was reading uh, Mary Shelley, uh, her later response so I think it was sort of a an introduction she wrote later, and and she was talking about her how she felt about the monster, and 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 it was very, you know, on one hand she's saying you know terrible, right? This is a monster, but also that she feels great affection that. That you know, say, I was talking uh, a couple days ago about the shadow. Oh, it was a while ago. It was, I think it was with the seven stories, and was it oh, overcoming the monster? But that, and whether you believe or no, that everybody has this shadow, and in a sense, this is her shadow, but it's. Complicated. It's a it's a gray character, you know. It's a character who uh, has more sides than one. So in a sense, it's it's not just a shadow, but it's a representative of you know what is it? I guess her humanity that the whole story is uh, putting it into question. What does it mean to be? alive and what does it mean to be an outcast? What does it mean to be shunned? And so on. The the, the basics of chemistry from long ago that were, we're, like say tied up with, with myth- mythology, with spiritualism and so we get this slow progress of people who are transforming metal and Sort of seeking knowledge, seeking to to know how to do something that is uh, really amazing. Besides the philosopher's stone, I think it's called aqua regia. So there's you know this stone that can change uh, metal into gold. But then with the Aquaregia, I think it's that it it gives one eternal life. And obviously that's not possible. But where I stand now, looking ahead, I can see it. You know, that we are composed of DNA. You know, it's possible to turn those switches on and off. It's it's possible for someone to become immortal. What that would be like, I don't know. But it's possible. And so where something existed in the realm of the fantastical, it's it's closer and closer to a reality. Oh Moss, why would you want to live forever? you know there's a there's an issue there i suspect that in the future it will become less of an issue uh you know right now the the hippocratic oath or just people's sense of moral obligation you know we keep we keep people going uh, they might be in a coma you know and you know sometimes we don't pull the plug we want you know, we want to give the person uh, as much possibility for existence as we can. And then on the flip side, uh, up, up in Canada, this is the, just the past little while, the, the majority has decided to, what is it, we're not calling it euthanasia, we're calling it uh, assisted... I can't even remember what it's called. It's not assisted death, but uh, it's assisted something. And there are there are rules, right? But say some people don't want to, you know. So that's that's an that's an issue unto itself. That say even though we are so far. Uh, we we still are mired in unhappiness. You know, we're still mired in grief or in the case of, say, uh, people who are terminally ill, who, who don't want to go through the suffering. Uh, or, you know, I, I've seen relatives dying with cancer uh, and it's yeah it's heartbreaking you know on one on one level you don't want to let them go on the other you want to keep them forever there's a bit of that in frankenstein you know we have a dead person who's brought back to life <clears throat> and then in i think it's i think it's in the movies that the, the mind of the monster is... It's the, it's the brain of a, uh, a killer, right? Uh, a criminal. And I, I, I don't like that. That's sort of a, an easy bypass around the... I, I don't know if you've ever been around a, a baby or a, a child... And, you know, this development and growth and being a teenager, say, you know, and going through these, this dilemma of identity. Uh, and, And even now, there's, there's a dilemma, you know. If you don't face one right now, ultimately you know you will. Uh, ultimately we, we all do. We have to face that uh, And if not, then others you know have to have to deal with that transition and that, that grief. And sometimes that grief destroys people. Science fiction. I think I'd like to end with that. we live in science fiction, but it's normal. And we've always been living in science fiction, with technology, that that we've been existing with knowledge and stories of technology ever since we started getting going. you know we're imitating uh, each other. What works versus what doesn't work. Oh hey, Bob ate that plant and died, so I'm not going to eat that plant. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then I'm going to show my kids that that plant is not a good plant. And and you know, there is a element of technology there, just this knowledge. Well, I'm over time, but it's uh, it's been a good talk. Thanks for listening. Keep up the great work. Uh, Sit down, write one word, and maybe it will become two or a complete sentence. And a punctuation mark.